Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 52, Morning Routine. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. What's the best way to start out your day? Feeling well rested, of course. In this week's episode, I'll discuss the components and structure you may want to incorporate into your own morning routine. Before we get into that, after a full year, 52 weekly episodes, I'll be taking a little break and we'll be back with all new content before you know it. In the meantime, you can sign up for email updates at www.wellrestedmd.com. Now, let's dive back into making the most of your morning routine. Last week, I said that sleep habits for a good night's rest don't start at bedtime but as soon as you wake up in the mornings. And it's true. To rest well at night, start your day outright. And there are a few key features that you should aim to have as part of your own morning routine. I've said it over and over again, but I cannot emphasize enough the importance of a consistent wake-up time. Where we get tripped up is that we tend to want to keep a consistent wake-up time on weekdays and then consistently do something totally different on days off. That's where you run into trouble. Because that weekday-weekend difference is basically never you getting up earlier on a Saturday than you did on Monday through Friday, so you can be extra productive. No. Rather, it tends to involve not setting the alarm, not waking up close to when you did during the rest of the week, and sleeping in. In fact, the 2019 National Sleep Foundation Sleep in America poll found that over two-thirds of American adults are not keeping a consistent sleep or wake-up schedule, even during weekdays, let alone on days off. And there are two main issues driving this behavior. The first is chronic sleep deprivation. Too many adults, especially in the U.S., are not achieving the minimum recommended hours of time in bed. A 2013 NSF poll found that the average U.S. adult is allowing only 6.5 hours of time in bed on average across the week, with most adults fully cognizant that they are getting less sleep than they really need to function. So, if you are sleep-deprived all week long, and all of a sudden you've got a morning where you don't have to show up someplace or risk getting fired or get detention, no surprise, most people take advantage of that by trying to catch up on lost sleep during those days off. Unfortunately, measured in any of several different ways, sleep debt cannot be paid back. Meaning that if you got just 15 minutes less of sleep during the week and slept in an extra 75 minutes on your day off, you cannot erase the impact of that accrued sleep loss. The other issue driving inconsistent wake-up times is inconsistent sleep times. Most importantly, later bedtimes on Friday and Saturday nights. 
These are popular date nights for food, drink, movies, parties, etc. And the later you get to bed in the first place, the less opportunity you'd have for sleep if you got up at the same time as the weekday mornings. So even if trying to maintain the same duration of sleep across the week, having a shifted later bedtime dictates a shifted later wake-up time. And as we've discussed repeatedly, especially in episode 22, having a delayed sleep onset and offset causes problems from performance, cognition, emotional well-being, metabolic dysfunction, and of course, trouble sleeping. But trying to cheat only on the weekends with a delay and trying to be a straight true to the rest of the week is actually even worse than being just delayed all the time. And it's obviously not the math that two-sevenths is somehow more than seven-sevenths, but rather it is the inconsistency that is the problem, the incongruent clues and signals you send to your body. It's super confusing for your biology. So the number one most important morning routine habit is to get up at the same time seven days a week. Last week, we discussed some ways to accomplish this awakening. The more consistent you are with getting up at the same time, especially when you're achieving an adequate duration of sleep each night, putting you in the minority, then you may find yourself naturally waking at the same time every morning. Congratulations. But most of us need something extra to help us achieve that consistent daily wake-up time. There are smart alarms that utilize sleep tracking to wake you at the least problematic time within a given window. I've used one myself, and I can attest that while it is far from perfect, that at least most of the time when the alarm triggered, it woke me from non-rapid eye movement sleep, woke me gently and effectively. The device involved an external sensor that Bluetoothed to my phone and used my phone's processing and speakers, so there were times the Bluetooth connection failed and the alarm never triggered. The bigger issue for me, though, was that my sleep cycles didn't line up exactly with my wife's. So the opportune time to wake me was often the most inopportune time to wake her. Other alarms can mimic sunrise, casting gentle rays of light progressing to a full sun's worth of bright light. What I currently use is a wrist-worn device that vibrates to wake me silently so as not to disturb my wife. The next great thing to do soon after leaving the bed is to start some movement. In those first moments of wiping the sand from your eyes, an easy and helpful method is some good old-fashioned stretching. It can be a formal routine, like a yoga flow, or just 10 seconds at a time of yawn-generated stretch. Just like your car needs a little warm-up time after sitting idle all night before the defroster can melt that windshield snow, or your computer needs some time to boot up after sleep mode or being turned off, your body has been relatively idle all night and needs a bit of time to boot up, to warm up, and nothing gets the juices flowing like movement. The other important movement to incorporate into your morning routine besides stretching would be exercise. And while exercise comes in more flavors than you can count with benefits to each, the most likely form to provide the best and most widespread benefit would be any activity that gets your heart rate up, especially in that 50-85% to of maximal heart rate range. Recall from episode 6 that this is the method, your heart rate, that the American Heart Association uses to classify moderate and vigorous activity. That cutoff changes depending on your age with a simple formula. Your recommended maximal heart rate is the number 220 minus your age in years. So for a 20-year-old, max heart rate would be 220 minus 20, or 200 beats per minute. For a 70-year-old, max heart rate would be 220 minus 70, or 150 beats per minute. Once you know your age-based max heart rate recommendation, 
it is easy to figure out what range of heart rate gives you moderate versus vigorous activity. Most calculators will use 50 to 70% of max heart rate as the range for moderate activity and 70 to 85% of max heart rate as the range for vigorous activity. So, for a 40-year-old with a recommended max heart rate of 180 beats per minute, moderate activity would be anything that sustains a heart rate between 90 and 126 beats per minute, and vigorous physical activity would include anything that keeps the heart rate between 126 and 153 beats per minute. So while gentle exercise like yoga or tai chi, which is absolutely awesome for your health, but less likely to get a 40-year-old's heart rate above 90 beats per minute for long, they are less likely to carry that extra punch of death-defying benefit. To get the most bang for your buck in health benefits from exercise, the AHA recommends 150 minutes of moderate activity per week, or 75 minutes of vigorous activity a week. And that's probably more easily achieved in small daily chunks of 20 to 25 minutes at a time, versus a two and a half hour sweatathon. So after waking at the same time, getting a little stretching and hydration in, it's a great time to kick your heart rate up to moderate or vigorous levels. Running, jogging, walking, swimming, rowing, elliptical, cycling, whatever gets your heart rate up shortly after waking is a great time to fit that in. Right after exercising your body is a great time to exercise your mind. During that cool-down time is a wonderful opportunity for some cognitive emotional training. This may take the very practical form of writing out your to-do list for the upcoming day and week. Writing out again on a daily basis what your weekly tasks are helps to reinforce their importance and lessen the chance of forgetting to check them off. This time could also be used to write out values and value-based action. For instance, if one of your core values is friendship and close social connection, you can use this time to figure out how to incorporate that into your day. What have you done or will you do to embody that value of social connection? You may do so by finding opportunities to weave these value-based actions into everyday tasks, or by making a special point to engage exclusively in a value-based activity, like calling to check up on a neighbor or arranging a casual lunch date with a close friend. Or you may use this cool-down time after physical exertion to exercise your mental muscle in developing a different skill. For instance, the cool-down period after exercise is a prime opportunity to engage in mindful attention. Sweat, your elevated body temperature, your still-pounding heart and catching your breath each provide a salient experience to focus on in the development of mindful attention and body awareness, or interoception. It's a great time to exercise your gratitude muscle to take just a few seconds or minutes to write out what you are thankful for in that very moment, or in general, as discussed further in episode 17. You could also use these few minutes of cool-down time after physical exertion to flex your compassion, or self-compassion, as discussed in episode 29. This involves the repetition of any variation of a simple phrase, such as, May I be safe, may I be healthy, and may I live with ease. So, after waking at that consistent time, stretching and exercising body and mind, the next important morning routine to include is breakfast, the most important meal of the day. We first discussed nutrition as part of the wellness recipe back in episode 8. And we've discussed on a few occasions how sleep can affect metabolism and dietary choices. However, it is a two-way relationship, even if sleep holds the stronger influence between the two. For instance, a study presented in 2020 looked at the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey of over 5,000 respondents, including their self-reported sleep, daytime sleepiness, and daily food diaries. 
they found that adults who consumed more protein and fiber slept longer and experienced less fatigue and sleepiness. And individuals who consumed more carbs in general, and more sugar specifically, were more likely to experience either too short sleep duration or excessive sleep, as well as increased daytime fatigue and severe sleep disturbance. So at least on the macronutrient level, a breakfast heavy on protein and light on carbs and sugars is not only healthier in general, but also improves your chances of sleeping better and waking better. A 2021 study of over 100 women in their third trimester found that lower meal frequency, primarily due to skipping breakfast, was a significant predictor of poor sleep quality. A 2018 randomized crossover trial found that compared to skipping breakfast, actually eating at breakfast was associated with improved sleep quality and a shorter time to fall asleep. A 2017 study involving over 50,000 people in the Journal of Nutrition found that people who ate breakfast were more likely to lose weight compared to those who skipped breakfast. And compared to breakfast eaters who consumed their largest meal of the day at dinner, those who consumed their largest meal of the day at breakfast were even more likely to lose weight. A 2018 review found specifically that breakfast with at least 30 grams of protein and at least 350 calories and provided as solid foods and not beverages, that they were the most likely to improve appetite, improve satiation, and improve energy expenditure over the rest of the day. And a 2020 meta-analysis of 14 other studies found that while the impact was small, there is a statistically significant improvement in subjective sleep quality from taking probiotics. The effect was measured by the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index, and the impact was only about three-fourths of one point, not a meaningful improvement, though statistically sound. Furthermore, objective measures did not improve from probiotics, including sleep timing and sleep efficiency. However, recent preclinical data from rodent models provide some plausible rationale for the small but real effect, that the composition of the gut microbiome impacts sleep measures shown in experiments using fecal transplants. It stands to reason, therefore, that helping to promote a healthier, more diverse microbiome, the intended purpose of probiotics, may actually improve sleep quality, though the exact species, concentration, and duration of treatment are yet to be worked out. So a breakfast that includes proteins and probiotics like yogurt may improve your sleep quality. And if that meal has at least 30 grams of protein and at least 350 calories, and is solid food and not a beverage, all the better. That will help you not only sleep better, but feel better during the day, with more energy, less fatigue, and improve your chances of maintaining or losing weight compared to skipping breakfast or high-carb breakfast. After getting up at the same time, stretching, exercising body and mind, and consuming a healthy breakfast, the last morning routine component can be incorporated in each and every one of the above, namely, appropriate lighting. We tackled this issue at length in Episode 5. Morning light exposure improves several different health metrics from sleep to pain to mood. Most clinical trials examining the role of light use light boxes with a specific lux of light delivered at a specific distance and angle for a specific daily duration. This doesn't mean that you need to engage in every other morning routine activity sitting 18 inches in front of a light box. The light boxes generally pump out between 5,000 and 10,000 lux of light. That's about as bright as looking up straight in the sky about 9 or 10 in the morning. It's bright, but it's not as bright as staring at the sun. Whereas the typical indoor lighting only exposes you to several hundred lux. So, gradually turning on all available lights in the room in the first hour will get you closer. 
but some activities, like stretching, journaling, or eating breakfast, make it easier to utilize a lightbox if you have one. The duration of lightbox use in clinical trials is typically 15 to 20 minutes, though some use protocols of up to an hour. But if you're going to sit down for your coffee and breakfast, that duration of time is about the same as what you'll need for max benefit from bright light exposure. Getting the morning dose of bright light reduces stress levels, improves alertness across the rest of the day, improves mood and significantly reduces depression and symptoms of PTSD, improves chronic pain, and of course, bright light in the morning improves sleep quality and sleep timing. And if you invest a few bucks in a light box emitting 5 to 10,000 lux of bright light and use it for at least 15 minutes a day, you too are likely to experience these great results. So to summarize, a morning routine is a great way to integrate some well-needed structure to your day. And the sleep habits that promote and maintain excellent nights of sleep start with your morning routine. From waking up well-rested, feeling awake and alert all day, free from fatigue, with better quality of life, to being able to fall asleep easily, quickly, with high quality sleep that night, it all begins with your morning routine. There are several key components that will help you elevate your morning routine to well-rested status. None of these should come as a surprise to long-time listeners, or even if you just turned in last week. The foundation for a sleep-friendly morning routine lies in your wake-up time. And while a later wake-up time can be problematic, the most important factor here is consistency, maintaining the same wake-up time during weekdays and weekends. Next, get moving. A little stretching goes a long way. But more importantly, movement and physical activity that gets your heart rate up. Specifically, a heart rate between 50 and 85% of your max recommended heart rate, which is determined by your age. After exercising your body, such as during your cool-down, it's a wonderful opportunity to exercise your mind. It may be something practical, like writing out your daily and weekly to-do list to reinforce what's important. This may involve taking a few minutes to write out one, three, or five things that you're thankful for. It may involve exercises in mindfulness or compassion. Next, following your physical and mental workouts, it's time to dine. Breakfast, it turns out, really is the most important meal of the day. Eating breakfast increases the likelihood you'll achieve an adequate amount of sleep at night. It increases the chance you'll have better quality sleep. And breakfast that's high in protein and fats and lower in carbs and sugar is also independently associated with better daytime energy, lower fatigue, and better quality sleep at night. And at any point as part of your morning routine, you can add another key ingredient, which is bright morning light. So, during physical activity, during your mental work, while eating high-quality breakfast, Giving yourself the gift of bright light, especially in that 5,000 to 10,000 lux range of brightness for at least 15 minutes, will not only increase your energy and alertness across the day, boost your mood, but significantly improve your sleep that night as well. If you'd like to see an example of morning habits like these and more, check out wellrestedmd.com day, where you can get a special download, a totally free cheat sheet. In this day of the life of the well-rested download, you'll find examples and timing of these morning as well as evening routines, the evidence-based best practices for wakeful days and restful nights. So head over to www.wellrestedmd.com day to see these morning routine best practices in action. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave us a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information, including the option to sign up for email updates. Thanks for listening.